Welcome to this week's God Walk. Or maybe I should say Preacher Walk. I'm going to share to you, share with you some thoughts. And we're going to be in uh, 2 Timothy today, just shortly, verses 9 through 14. Let me start off with a short story just to kind of set things up. This message, really, I want it to be more of an encouragement to all of us, myself included, an encouragement to everybody who's listening so that we can persevere in the grace of God and our Lord Jesus Christ and just keep moving forward in Him in these trying times. Okay, here's the story. Okay, not too long ago, I decided to buy a bike. Many of you may know this, you may not know this, but uh, bikes are uh, in short supply, uh, at least here in America. And they say largely due because of COVID and uh, people being quarantined and stuff and you know needing to exercise. So they bought bikes as a, you know, a relief. So there's a shortage here. They're, they're hard to find. And especially, you know, any kind of specialty type of bike. So uh, now, you know, I know some people go down to uh, Wally World and get a bike, but it's not the right size, the right type. It's not the right fit. And uh, you can wheel that out and it may not work for you quite the way you could if you uh, had it fitted right. And, went to a bike shop or something like that. So anyway, I found a, a real bike, a regular bike, really nice bike on Amazon. And it was a uh, 21 speed uh, bike, it was very technologically sound. It was my size, I know it, it would fit me. And it was a hybrid bike where it was part road, part little off-road trail, nothing too heavy. And um, there was only one of, of this particular brand bike left. It was only one. And uh, it, was, it was at a discounted price because it, it said it was like a new condition, slightly used. So I got a, I got a good deal on it. So I pulled the trigger and I ordered this bike so that I could do some alternative exercises here. And within a week, the bike arrived to my house. So I got this bike and uh, tried to put it together. And obviously it was uh, not quite <laughs> very, you know, as simple as they say. And then there was some broken parts on it. And that's why I got the discount because it was slightly used in like new condition. So I took it to my local bike shop, who does not sell regular bikes, by the way. It does not sell regular bikes. But uh, there is a bike shop in town, and the guy is a uh, certified bike mechanic. And so I took it to him, and for a minimal cost, he went over it and put it together, safety checked it, peaked and tweaked it, replaced the parts. And so essentially I rolled out with a beautiful, brand new, very much like it new 21 speed 
bicycle. Very happy with my choice. I even like the color. I get on the bike and what I discover is that I haven't ridden in over 20 years and that I am not in the shape to tackle the hills where I live. I live in a community that is literally terraformed out of the Nevada desert. And I live in a, a community, my whole entire community here is fraught with hills and valleys. I mean, big hills, that's why I walk every day. And you get good cardiovascular exercise walking because you are going up these very long, steep grades and you get a really decent walking workout doing that. Well, then I get on the bike and I realize these hills are going to destroy me. I, I literally cannot uh, deal with the hills. So I found myself staying within my own little neighborhood and dealing with the hills in my neighborhood to try to build my endurance up. And I figured it's gonna take me a while to keep riding in my own neighborhood up and down the hills that are there until I get to the point where I get enough cardiovascular and enough leg strength and enough um, athletic ability to be able to take it outside of my neighborhood into the community. My big fear was going out of the neighborhood. We call them villages here. Everybody lives in different villages. And my big fear was to, to go out of the village, find a, a path of, of a hill and not be able to get back home without getting off the bike and walking it. So you can see my dilemma here. I bought this machine, this bike, and there was nothing wrong with it. It is a great bike. And if you lived in a area that was more flat, had terrain that wasn't so hilly, this bike would be absolutely marvelous. It, it's, 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 there's nothing wrong with the bike. What was wrong was me. I, I was not in the shape to ride that very fine machine in the environment in which I lived. Nothing wrong with the machine. Nothing wrong with the environment. Nothing really wrong with me. But the three of them didn't come together for my benefit. I needed some help. Now, the choice I had in this situation is, well, I could either keep trying to train, which would probably be good, but at my age, um, those days are kind of over. You know, I, I'm not looking to uh, run marathons or, you know, win powerlifting contests or anything like that. I, I, I just want exercise. I could continue to train over and over and over again, push myself, push myself, maybe hurt my knees, maybe blow something out until I can actually enjoy the, the bike. But as it stood, I, I couldn't enjoy the bike. Okay, so the other cho choice I have is, well, give up biking. Just don't uh, bike anymore. Just continue walking and lifting weights and doing those kind of things. But um, don't bike because I can't bike in this community. 
well, I could get maybe a different stationary bike from inside the house, but that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be outside and enjoy the bike ride. What do I do? That's the story. Now, I go to the bike shop that I had my bike peeked and tweaked at to look at what he has available. And he sells these e-bikes. Now, I was against e-bikes. I live in a community where there's older people. We're all older. And um, I would see a lot of these older people riding these e-bikes. They're called cheater bikes out here. People call them cheater bikes. Oh, you're on a cheater bike. I talked to one guy months ago that had a cheater bike and he was very apologetic really when he was talking to me and he explained to me why he had to have the cheater bike. He had back problems and knee problems and couldn't get up you know, the hills and needed assist. And he assured me that the bike didn't run by itself, but that the electric motor was propelled by your pedaling that just assisted you in the pedaling. Okay, cheater bike. I wasn't really fond of something like that. I wanted to ride a real bike. In fact, when I got my bike riding in my little neighborhood, neighbors, honestly, would, that I would see would go, oh, that's a real bike. And I'd, and I'd proudly go, yeah, I'm on a real bike uh, because I'm a real man and I'm riding a real bike, not a sissy cheater bike. And everybody knows this. Now these e-bikes, if you don't know anything about them, they're uh, rather pricey, they're not cheap. And um, they seem to be the rage out here. And with that comes the scorn of a bunch of old men who used to be athletes saying, well, you're on a cheater bike. So I go to my bike shop. What do we got going on here? I see an e-bike, cheater bike. Nice price range, perfect fit. Begin to explain to me how they work. And how they work is, well, at least this particular model I got does not propel you without you pedaling. But you can pick four levels of assist while using seven gears. And of course, the machine is not a bike. It, it's, it's a technological machine. It is not a bicycle anymore. It is a technological machine. The thing has disc brakes. Disc brakes like a car. The thing has a speed shifter. It's not one of those old-fashioned derailers that go click, 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 click as you change gears. You, you hit the button and your, 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 your gears are changing. It's, it's amazing the stuff that's on this thing. It's powered by a Bosch electric motor that gets its energy from a ion battery. Rechargeable, obviously. Amazing technology. It's not just a bike with a battery. It's a technological machine. 
So being convinced of this, I take it for a test ride. And as soon as I get on this thing, and I ride it around the bike shop, I'm in love. The feel, the ease, the comfort is unbelievable. <laughs> and I knew right away, I want a cheater bike. I want an e-bike. If I'm gonna enjoy my outdoor riding experience, I need help because I can't do it on my own. So here I am today and I ride in my very hilly community and I tackle those hills outside of my village into the community with ease. Now, can I still get a workout? Yes. I could do a lot less assist and use more pedaling and still get a good workout. Is it the same as a real bike? No, we're not gonna lie to ourselves. You're cheating, but you're enjoying the ride, okay? So, having said that story, I hope you're still with me and I haven't bored you to death. Let's look at a scripture that it reminded me of and how we need help. <laughs> now in biblical Christianity, we don't call it cheating. We call it grace. <laughs> we call it pure grace and mercy from God our Father, right? So we gotta know that we can't do anything on our own. Our righteousness, our works, uh, who we are, what family we're born into, what church we go to, what we do, has nothing to do with our salvation and the grace of, of God. It's a pure gift from, from God. Let me read this. This is 2 Timothy. I'm going to go 6 through 14. The background of this is Paul's in prison about to be executed. He's about to be martyred, killed. And his tone is more of a death swan tone in this letter, as it's one of his last letters or the last letter that he, he wrote. There's persecution going on in the church. There's also heresies going on at this time. And Timothy, a young presbyter who was ordained to be head of the church of Ephesus, a young man named Timothy who was had a Jewish mother and grandmother and a Gentile father. And apparently his faith may have been just a little waning at this time. Not, not that he wasn't a Christian or following Christ, but the persecution was heavy, uh, dealing with heresies in the church, things of that nature. And he may have been a little rocked on his heels when Paul writes this letter from prison to him. And he starts at verse six and he says, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who have saved us and called us with a holy calling, 
not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world even began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Spirit, which dwelleth in us. What Paul is telling Timothy, whose faith is a little, little rocked right now, who's uh, maybe being a little timid, in his proclamation of the gospel. Uh, maybe he needs a little, a little help. He needs a little, a little cheater, right? He needs a little help. He, he can't do it on his own. And so what Paul is saying, he's telling Timothy, I wanna, I wanna bring you into remembrance, the, the calling, the, the ordination, the gift that you have that came through the laying on of hands, through ordination. I, I wanna remind you of that, your responsibility. And that God didn't give you that purpose uh, so that you could be fearful, or so that you could be afraid, but that you could teach other people and give them sound mind. <laughs> you have sound mind, you could teach other people to have sound thinking, sound mind. Later on, he says, hold fast the words which you heard from me, the doctrine, right? Stay away from heresy, stay away from nonsense. Hold fast that good doctrine of the word of God. And Paul's encouraging Timothy that he does in fact have help, that he's not dealing with the heels of life, the heels of his calling on his own. Uh, that he doesn't have to keep training and training for it, going back to seminary and learning this new technique and this new technique. He, he could rely on the, on, the Holy, on the Holy Spirit who plants that seed in him and who germinates that seed within him. Paul says something really, really interesting in verse, verse 9. He says, it will kept by the power of God himself through Jesus Christ. But he says, who saved us, right? First he saved us and then called us before the world, before time, before eternity even was. I want you to get your head around that when you need help. <laughs> you, were, you were saved by God before this world even began. If you think you're not special in his sight, you're wrong. You, you've, you've listened to 
a lie of Satan because he saved you before the world began. And then when you heard that gospel message, when the Holy Spirit drew you to the Father and called you to that salvation, he provided for you before time began, you then became reconciled with Father God through his son, Jesus Christ. When Paul says, I'm persuaded in whom I believe, not by in what I believe or I, I believe in God, he, he believes in him, the, the Father, the Creator God, and his redemptive work through Jesus Christ. That's the gospel, that's the good news. It's the grace of God, see. Paul says, I'm persuaded in, in the one, in whom, in, 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 in Yahweh, in which I believe, that he's gonna keep me. He's gonna give me that assist I need over these hills of life. I can't do it on my own. I don't have the training, I don't have the stamina, I don't have the body, I don't have the youth anymore. I need help. And if I'm going to even enjoy this ride or the afflictions of being a Christian and the gospel message, then I, I need assistance. I need the Holy Spirit. Because you and I were saved before time began, that's right. And then we're called. And we answered that effectual calling. <laughs> and here we are, and we're not alone. We feel we're alone. I feel alone today. It's an ugly world out there. And I see it collapsing. I see the systems being removed in every form of government, religion, education, financial. I see it just shattering. I don't see it getting better. I see it getting far worse as time goes by. And I cry out to God, how long? Uh, is this the end? Are you gonna do something? We're just gonna just, uh, I'll be here. Now Paul tells Timothy during his trying times when the church is being persecuted, by Nero. Uh, they're being set on fire at the Circus Maximus and their bodies are used to light the gardens of the emperor. They're thrown to wild animals for sport and entertainment. In the small ecclesia, the small assembly of Christians, it's fraught with Judaizers and heretics and Gnostics, false teachers that come at this newly formed ecclesia in Christ to utterly destroy it. And so Paul says, First Timothy, you gotta remember this. You're saved before time began and you're called. Second, I want you to keep in remembrance and rekindle, that means refire, set, set on fire again, that gift that was imparted to you by the laying on of hands, the charge you're giving. And, and, don't, and don't, don't be fearful. God doesn't give you that spirit of, of timidity and fear. <clears throat> he gives you power, he gives you dunamis. It's like dynamite power and he gives you a sound mind to teach others about soundness. And he says, um, you're not alone, you, you have assistance. You have that Holy Spirit in you, that, that seed, that germ 
that will keep you. Paul says, I'm persuaded in whom I believe. He's going to keep him until that day, against that day. That day is the final, the final judgment, the final consummation of this, of this age. So, so Paul, he don't know either when it's all going to end. And Timothy certainly doesn't know when it's all going to end. It may seem in their day like it was ending now. Certainly Paul in prison, about to get martyred, felt that it was the end. These things we see through a glass darkly, we don't know. Today, it feels like the end as you see a collapse. But what's important is not what's going on around you here on earth, but that you hold fast those, those words, that sound doctrine. You hold fast, you rekindle that gift. You realize that God has chosen you before time began and called you with an effective, effectual calling, which you answered and that you are not climbing the hills of your community alone, even though your machine might be good. There's nothing wrong with your bike. There's nothing wrong with your, your church or your pastor or your Bible study. Or There's nothing wrong with it, but you can't do it on your own because it has nothing to do with you. It's the grace of God. It's, uh, it wasn't given to you because of your works or who you are what you were going to be. It's purely the purposes of God. And I want to encourage you with that as we live in this crazy world fraught with hills and valleys and weird, weird things going on. Let's just uh, do our best. Just do our best to, to walk pleasing unto the Lord. And let's hold fast those doctrines, biblical doctrines, biblical truth. Let's, let's shun, let's shy away. Let's actually flee from uh, heretical practices and heresy. Things even that may seem okay and they're religious, they can lead, they can lead to problems. So our focus is on, well, not being timid, allowing God to give us that spirit of power and have a sound mind through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his doctrines. And we can certainly climb these hills. We can certainly do it with assist. And Paul also reminds Timothy that afflictions are there. Afflictions are absolutely there and more afflictions are coming. But to be able to suffer those afflictions as Christ suffered his and Paul certainly was suffering afflictions for the gospel and that's because they're heavenly minded, they're eternally minded. They're not uh, focused and stuck down in this matrix created by fallen angels, phony society, phony culture that rejects the things of the Lord and therefore suffers the consequences of the rejecting God. So yeah, afflictions are there. The hills don't go away, you understand? The community doesn't go away. The hills are still there. The valleys are still there. It's still a steep climb. It's still, you still got to pedal. But you need to know that you have assistance. It's never you. It's never you. It's the power of Jesus Christ. And the power of God through his son, Jesus Christ. In whom you're persuaded 
in whom you believe. Amen. So thank you for joining me today. Have a blessed week. We'll talk to you next time. Recently, spiritual attacks on innocent people have increased considerably. This is partly due to society's transformation into a satanic cult. Most people are clueless or hopeless in combating this spiritual mayhem. We wish to offer two good books to overcome these attacks. First, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare offers one of the most effective training systems in combating spiritual darkness in order to gain personal freedom. Second, Eyes to See Unseen Enemies teaches how to see the hidden dangers which are all around us, even in places we would least expect them. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com as a paperback or ebook. It is our desire that you will take advantage of these opportunities to increase your effectiveness in spiritual warfare and learn how to fight back instead of being a victim. We'll see you on the battlefield.